the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. In those days, fish was the source of protein. Lamb was a rare luxury. Um, When you read your Bibles, don't think that they were feasting on lamb all the time. That was typically just at Passover. But bread was really the main staple. And so when Jesus is using this metaphor, he's connecting with people in a way that they would have understood. Bread is an essential, and he's wanting them to know how he is an essential to life. And so what does he mean by this when he says, I am the bread of life? This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through John. For most of us, bread remains a staple of daily life. If you look at your diet, most likely it's present in some form at almost every meal you partake of. As Pastor Gary will point out in today's message, this was the case in Jesus' day as well. In light of that, how should we interpret Jesus' statement that He's the bread of life? If you honestly examine your heart, can you say you depend on Him to fulfill your spiritual hunger in the same way you depend on bread to satisfy your physical hunger? At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of John, chapter 6, as he begins his message, I am the bread of life. All right, we're continuing here in our series today, Jesus is the I am. When Jesus said, I am, It was no ordinary statement that, in fact, Jesus was making a parallel between himself and how God identified himself in the burning bush to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Every time Jesus said in the Gospel of John, I am, he was uh, recorded in the Greek New Testament saying, ego eimi. Now, in the Greek, as we mentioned last week, ego means I am, amy means I am. So he's basically using a very unusual grammatical construct to emphasize in, in really double terms, I am, I am. And again, it was because he's drawing this parallel between the way that God identified himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, thus Jesus was asserting his divinity that he is God, In Exodus chapter 3, when God said to Moses, I am, identifying himself in that way, it's from the Hebrew word hayah, and that is derived from the verb to be. So God was literally saying, I am the self-existent one, and from that verb comes his proper name, Yahweh. 
Now, about 200 years before Christ, when the Greeks translated the Hebrew of the Old Testament into Greek, known as the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament known as Septuagint, in Exodus 3, when God identifies himself as I am, the Greeks translated that ego, Amy, 200 years before Christ, using the very language that Christ would use when Jesus identifies himself as the I am. So again, it's really important as we go through these I am statements that we all understand Jesus is not making some you know, casual statement here. He is asserting his divinity. He is, through these I am statements, making the claim, in fact, that he is God. And then he attaches different metaphors to these I am statements so that we can understand how he relates to us, how he connects with humanity. And so we went through the list, seven statements where Jesus in John's gospel says, I am. He says, for example, I am the bread of life. Number two, he says, I am the light of the world. Number three, he says, I am the door of the sheep. Number four, he says, I am the good shepherd. Number five, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Number six, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And number seven, he says, I am the true vine. Again, all of these taken from the Gospel of John. And so we're going to focus on the first of the seven where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And specifically out of John six thirty-five, it says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So I'm going to read the verses leading up to that statement. If you have your Bibles there in John chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 24 and read through verse 35. This is what it says. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, You seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, I am so glad that Jesus used this metaphor. Instead of saying, I am the broccoli of life, or I am the Brussels sprouts of life, I am so thankful that he said, I am the bread of life, because I don't know about you, but I just, I love bread. I mean, every 
form of bread in all of its gluten forms. I mean, I, I love muffins. I love cake. I love pastries. I like bread and Cinnabons and every kind, sliced bread, loaves of bread, all types of bread. There's nothing better than freshly baked bread coming out of the oven, buttering it, while it's still warm, maybe drizzling a little wildflower honey on it. I mean, it is to die for. I think it was Will Rogers who said, I never met a man I didn't like. My motto in life is, I never met bread that I didn't like. I mean, all forms of bread, particularly the glazed kind. And you know what I'm talking about. Bread is just a wonderful thing. So I'm thankful that Jesus decided to use that as a metaphor instead of something that I don't particularly care for, like Brussels sprouts or or broccoli. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, in Matthew 4, 4, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. So he was basically saying that bread and the Bible go well together. All right. Now, when you look at the Bible, there are many different times that bread is discussed. Um, There's a lot of references to bread in the Bible. In fact, think about how Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is from the Hebrew Hebrew Beit Lechem, meaning house of bread, because Bethlehem was a place where wheat was harvested and great quantities of bread was made. Consider the communion elements. You have bread and wine. Uh, Consider the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. In the Old Testament, you have uh, in the temple of God a table called the table of showbread where there were 12 cakes of bread uh, stacked together uh, to represent the 12 tribes of Israel and ultimately really to point to Christ. And so there are examples of bread throughout the Bible. Bread was, and really in some ways still is, a main staple of our diet. In those days, fish was the source of protein. Lamb was a rare luxury. Um, When you read your Bibles, don't think that they were feasting on lamb all the time. That was typically just at Passover. But bread was really the main staple. And so when Jesus is using this metaphor, he's connecting with people in a way that they would have understood. Bread is an essential, and he's wanting them to know how he is an essential to life. And so what does he mean by this when he says, I am the bread of life? When we read this story, it begins with the Jewish people looking for Jesus. They're on the hunt for Jesus. So a little context and a little background to this story is important to understand why Jesus says what he does here about who he is. So what I didn't read to you was the beginning of chapter 6. And in the beginning of chapter 6, what we find is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which, by the way, is the only miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, And as many of you know, the feeding of the 5,000 probably is more accurate to say the feeding of the 15,000 or so because the Bible only recorded the number of men. When you add women and children, that number is probably more like 15,000. So it's even a bigger miracle than what it looks like on the surface. Feeding 5,000 is a miracle enough, but we're talking probably triple that number. And um, the Bible tells us in the opening part of John chapter 6 that when Jesus sees the multitude... And uh, obviously he has compassion upon them that um, he wants to feed them. And he turns to Philip, one of his disciples. This is all recorded in the early part of chapter 6. He turns to Philip 
and he asks Philip, where are we going to get bread for them? And the Bible says that Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he asked that question to test Philip. I think it was an opportunity for Philip to shine, to be quite honest with you. I don't think Jesus was setting him up for failure. He was giving Philip an opportunity to say, well, you know, I I don't know where we're going to get any food for for these folks, Jesus, seeing as how, you know, Chick-fil-A is closed on a Sunday. But because we're with you, uh, you can do anything you want. So go ahead and wow the crowd. That's not what Philip said. That would have been wonderful if he had said it. But instead, he said to Jesus, well, it would take like 200 denarii to feed all these people. Now, a, a denarius was one day's wage. So 200 denarii was about a year's salary. So Philip was basically saying, it would take like a year's salary to feed all these people. And so he didn't really pass the test. Andrew, another disciple, comes along, and he brings the lunch bag of a little kid in the crowd. And he says to Jesus, ah, but how far will this go? So, you know, these disciples aren't the sharpest knives in the drawer. I, I don't say that disparagingly. I, I would have been just as, as uh, weak-willed and faithless as, as they were at times. Uh, but Jesus then takes from this one little lunch bag. And the Bible says that everybody was so fed that they had more than enough. In fact, King James says they were glutted. So you get this picture like they, you know, it's kind of like on Thanksgiving day after you eat so much and you push yourself away from the table and then you go watch football. That's how they were feeling. They were glutted. They were so well fed that the Bible says there was leftovers so much so that they were able to gather up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Basically, it's one doggy bag for each of those unbelieving disciples. I'm, I'm convinced that's what happened, so that they could each go away with a doggy bag and realize, wow, God really did something here, and, and we lacked the faith to really see it. And so, after Jesus miraculously feeds this crowd, the Bible says here in John 6, it was verse 15, that Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. And so it says that he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Uh, It wasn't his time to be made king, and he didn't come to be an earthly king, not yet anyway. He came to die for the sins of the world, and so the people were ready to make him king. And so he withdrew, went up onto a mountain there by the Sea of Galilee. Might have been to Mount Arbel. We don't know exactly which mountain, And the Bible says that his disciples, meanwhile, got in boats and they went across the sea heading to Capernaum. In the middle of the night, when they were on the Sea of Galilee, this storm arose. And there's this interesting passage here between the feeding of the 5,000 and when Jesus talks about he is the bread of life. And it's the scene of the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus goes out walking on water, the Bible says, and the disciples were all terrified And that's when Jesus said, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, interestingly, it's just a little side note, but interestingly, when Jesus said, it is I, again, in the Greek, his words were recorded as ego eimi. God, Jesus was saying, I'm God, and I've got this. And the Bible says that he climbed into the boat. And then it's very interesting, in John 6, 21, it says, as soon as he got into the boat, immediately... The boat was at the land where they were going. So this is just one of these very unusual, miraculous occasions where they go from the middle of the sea in the midst of a storm to suddenly on the shore of the Sea of Galilee by Capernaum. And they get out of the boat, 
And it is there the next day that the crowds that had been fed the previous day, the feeding of the 5,000, they're in search of Jesus. So that connects our story now that we opened up with. Here come people. It doesn't say how many of that crowd, that original crowd. It doesn't say how many boats, but it says that the people got in boats hunting for Jesus. They get to Capernaum, and this is where they say to him, basically, Rabbi, we've been looking for you. Where you been? And thus the connection to our story. This is where Jesus said in John 6, 26, most assuredly, I say to you, You seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. And what Jesus does in that moment is he exposes the motives of their heart. He basically says to them, you are not here for me, but you are here because of the benefits you get from me instead of a relationship that you want with me. Now, please take note of that. This is, this is basically a rebuke. Jesus is saying, you've only sought me because of what you want to get from me, not because you want to have a relationship with me. I fed your bellies, I filled your bellies, and thus you've come to me seeking more of what you can get. You're only seeking me, he basically says to them, because I satisfied your physical hunger. But, this is where he's going to lead them, But there is a greater hunger of the human heart that can only be met, filled in a relationship with me. This is what Jesus is saying to them. This is really the heart of this conversation. So please understand what's happening. These people were fed well the night before. They had a great fish dinner. And they show up in Capernaum looking for more of the same. They see Jesus as a meal ticket. They just want to get from him. Whereas Jesus is saying to them, listen, you're only seeking me because I filled your belly. You're not seeking me because you want relationship with me and you need to understand the difference between physical hunger and the hunger of the soul because there is a hunger of the human heart that can only be filled, Jesus is saying, by me. That's why he's going to say to them, I'm the bread of life. And so he rebukes them in this way. Now about 30 plus years ago, there was this a hit song by Janet Jackson, the sister of Michael Jackson. And the song was, what have you done for me lately? Okay, that, that comes to my mind when I think about this scene. Because basically the Jewish people have, have shown up there at Capernaum and they're basically saying to Jesus, what have you done for us lately? I mean, it's been, it's been like a whole 12 hours since you fed us. You know, Rabbi, you got, you got any more of that fish and chips? You got any more of that? Any more of that fish and chips for us? That's what they're there for. It's breakfast time now, and they want more of the same. So they're focused on their physical need, their physical hunger, and Jesus is trying to direct their attention to the fact that the bigger issue that they're not even aware of is the hunger of the human heart. There's a soul issue here, and Jesus is saying to them, I can bring satisfaction to the deepest longing of your heart, of your soul, and that's more important than your physical appetite. And so Jesus says to them in verse 27, if you look in your Bibles again, in verse 27, he says to them, do not labor for the food which perishes, physical food, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, circle the word life in your Bibles, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. 
Now, again, this is important in the original language of the New Testament. In the Greek, there are two common words for life. One is bios. Bios means physical life, material life. Our English word biology is the study of life. It comes from that Greek word bios. But there's another Greek word for life, and that is zoe, Z-O-E. Usually, for a girl's name, it's pronounced Zoe, but in the Greek, the accent is on the last part, Zoe, and it means life, and it means a fulfilled life. It means a life that transcends the physical. It's spiritual life. It's eternal life. It's fullness of life. It's vitality of life. That's Zoe. Now, Jesus uses that word Zoe in verse 27 when he says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Zoe, not bios. He's saying, I provide for you a vitality of life, a fullness of life. I provide for you eternal life that transcends the physical, that is greater and more important than physical life. And so in the context, what he's saying to them is, you have a hunger And this is true for all of us. You have a hunger that transcends physical hunger. You have a greater need than a physical need. It is zoe. It is the fullness of life. And this is what Jesus is saying to them. Pursue that. Pursue zoe. Go after that which can satisfy the deeper longings of the human heart. And this is why Jesus identifies himself there in verse 35 when he says, I am the bread of life. Again, it's the word zoe. I'm the bread of zoe. I am the one who brings fulfillment to the deeper issues and the greater longings of the human heart. The problem is, this is true for all of us. This was true for them in this story. This is true for all of us. The problem is that most people try to satisfy a zoe need with a bios solution. I'm going to say that again. The problem is that a lot of times people try to satisfy a zoe need with a bios solution. In other words, we turn to different vices and we engage in risky behavior in an effort to satisfy the human need For love, acceptance, identity, and security. There are four basic human needs that everybody has. The need for love, acceptance, identity, and security. And what happens is when we don't realize that the satisfaction and fulfillment for those four basic needs can only really be met in Jesus, then we will go in search of all kinds of things to try to bring satisfaction to those areas of our lives only to come up empty, only to come up empty. And when people try to satisfy a Zoe need, the deeper issues of the human heart, the soul issues, when people try to satisfy a Zoe need with bios solutions, that person just ends up plunging deeper and deeper into despair and discouragement because it's a vicious cycle of never really feeling satisfied. Open up the notion, jump in and you'll find the cornerstones, your connection run towards your new life. 
So who is Jesus? That's a question Pastor Gary has been answering in this series. Jesus is the I Am. He's been telling you exactly who this Son of God is from the perspective of Jesus himself. Jesus told everyone his purpose through his actions, but also through the descriptions of himself. And not only was Jesus all these things when he was on earth, he still is everyone. He's the shepherd, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life. The Son of God lives today, having redeemed the world and defeated death. Today, Jesus can be your savior too. Would you like to know more? Or are you ready to give your life to Christ? Please feel free to reach out to us by calling 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. We also want to invite you to join us for church at Cornerstone Chapel. We're meeting each Sunday in person at 8.30 and 11.45, as well as on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get all the information you need, along with directions to our campus. If you're not able to be with us in person, that's okay too. We do offer each service online as well. Again, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to connect. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in for Pastor Gary's message, and we hope you'll join us again to continue learning about Jesus. That's right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know